and welcome to this final podcast of Impact Frameworks and Cultural Change 2021. This podcast will reflect on the conference, how it all began, and what we learned. Please keep the conversation going on Twitter using hashtag ImpactFrameworks. Uh, it's fantastic that tonight I'm joined by uh, Jess Romo, who was the originator of this conference with me after discussions in December 2019, and one of the uh, organizing committee members, uh, Sean Len from the Health Foundation. So uh, Jess, do, do you remember the impact board meeting we had in December? It's a long time ago when we first talked about this event. Has been. Um, but yeah, I do remember it very well. I think initially, Mark, we were both um, hoping this will be a, a, an online, uh, well, not, not a face-to-face, in-person event in London. Um, and actually, because of the pandemic, um, it turned out to be this year and online, which I think actually worked really well because we went from potentially engaging a smaller number of people, um, primarily based in the UK, to actually engaging a wide range of people across the globe. Um, so I think that was a, an unintended but really positive effect. And I'm, I'm really happy to see uh, people engaging over social media, uh, both Twitter, LinkedIn, with a pre-recorded content available yesterday. So it's been amazing. Um, yeah, what, what do you think in terms of... No, I, I've loved it. I, I think you're right. I think if we'd done the... If we kept to the original schedule of holding it in October last year, face-to-face, without a pandemic, uh, I'm sure we would have got 50 or 60 people to come along. There would have been a nice conference dinner, which is the one thing I think we all do miss. Um, but we've had uh, over 650 people join the site today um, uh, from uh, the UK, uh, Canada, America, across Europe, um, and in with the networking sessions, I had a, a fantastic conversation with a delegate from Kenya. That would not have happened without the pandemic. Sean, have, have you found it on the international side? Yeah, I, I mean, I would completely agree. There's been people that have joined that just wouldn't have been able to attend uh, had we had an in-person conference. Um, again, people from all over the globe in the networking session that I was in, um, people internationally attending uh, the sessions, which I think is a you know a real benefit, um, sort of you maybe sort of um, pine a little bit for some of that in-person uh, contact during the networking. Um, but I think all in all, it's been a, it's been a, a great event and a great format. Yeah, I think the format has has worked actually. Um, I, I'm not quite sure whether either you had any chance to listen to some of the podcasts that were made in the vodcast, but the the vodcast went down very well. Uh, Jess, I can say that uh, yours was particularly popular. You got loads of views. Sean, you too. Um, and some of the tweets we've got over the past uh, 24 hours have, have recognised uh, some of the learning from those vodcasts themselves. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy making your vodcasts? Sean, do you want to There you are. <laughs> you can take the silence from that as you will. It's a, uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I'm not entirely sure I'm ever cut out to be a newsreader, but um, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to sort of share thoughts on um, on the conference and your hopes and, and aspirations, um, which is always nice to to let people know um, in advance and also carry on those conversations. So, from that perspective, yeah, certainly. I think that we're all flexing different muscles um, during the pandemic and especially with online conferences, right? Picking up new IT skills and learning to use a wide range of online platforms, um, which is, you know, a welcome addition to our skill set. I think so. I didn't realise that Zoom had a webinar system 
until this conference came along. Um, and, and the power of, of the webinar system, I think, has been proven over the past day. Um, in fact, from starting this morning, uh, because, uh, Jess, as you say, it's become an international conference. Uh, we got Tamika Hyden to join the, the organizing committee from Research Impact, the Academy uh, in Australia, which meant we started uh, at 2 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, but uh, 3 a.m. this morning, which meant uh, a very early start, 2.30 a.m. for a couple of colleagues. Uh, and uh, nerves, obviously, because uh, at 2.30 a.m. if something goes wrong, who do you call? Um, uh, but it was fantastic, and I think uh, Tamika's um, uh, early showing uh, went down extremely well, um, followed by uh, My Breakfast Networking, which was very bizarre. Uh, seven or eight people joined uh, with virtual cups of tea and virtual bacon sandwiches, uh, which is uh, was a, a lovely session uh, before, Sean, I think you were on at half eight. Indeed, yes, the, uh, the early session for us uh, based in the UK, and... Um, it was great to have Annette Boaz from London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and James Wilsden from Sheffield University to, to join me for that early session. So thanks again to them. Um, and some, yeah, some really interesting uh, points put across, um, particularly about Annette reflecting on um, her experience of working as part of the Government uh, Office of Science in, in the UK government. Um, and her reflections on actually, you know, sort of a really positive experience and and a lot of learning to take forward, but also a real willingness to engage between both the policy side, but also the, the research community to, to help that sort of that policy um, research interaction. And then um, James posed, um, I believe it was five very interesting uh, sort of paradoxes of the, of the use of, um, of research and evidence, and particularly as we, we move through pre, but also um, the, the poster, the post-pandemic uh, period and, and how we sort of maybe reframe some of our thinking around the way evidence is, is sort of uh, collected, shared and, and used, but also sort of the types of, of knowledge um, that people are, uh, are looking to sort of um, bring to some of those, those policy discussions. I think James is a fascinating individual, by the way, because he also does a lot in the research and research field uh, with the Wellcome Trust, if I understand, yes. So he's, he's a big Wellcome Trust type person. Uh, and of course, after half eight, we had um, uh, the impact framework session, the, the original idea anyway for this conference. Jess, how did you find your, your time? Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, and I think we had a nice panel. So I was joined by Anne Rivers from NIHR um, and Dr. Alison Tweed, as well as Dr. Grace Sweeney from NHS England and Improvement Directorate. Um, and I had the opportunity to present on the Wellcome Trust um, impact framework. Um, and yeah, I think the participants really engaged with the content. There were really good questions, I suppose. Um, what I will uh, highlight um, at the moment is a couple of things that came up in the session um, that were also echo somewhere else. Um, and there is something about um, the implementation of frameworks as well, but more specifically, um, I think there's a very strong call for systems thinking. Um, and the use of system based approaches um, to allow us to better deal with complex long systemic change um, and also the use of theories of change logic models or anything else that starts conversations by clarifying what is it that we want to achieve 
what kind of impact change and figuring out what is the best way to contribute to that change. Uh, case studies came up particularly as a way to deal with long-term systemic change, um, to, to kind of deal with quantitative and qualitative data in ways that create stories that people can really engage with um, and, and really help communicate things that otherwise is very difficult to do, particularly through visuals as well. Um, least kind of useful in terms of methodologies, um, journal impact as measure of um, quality of research um, was one of those. Um, Mark, as you remark in one of your podcasts uh, on public uh, and patient engagement, using numbers to evidence outcomes is is not good enough, um, <laughs> such as, for example, just counting the members of the public participating in research. Uh, we really need to go beyond. So I think everyone was saying similar things. We really need to go beyond just output tracking um, and finding better, better ways to engage with systems. Um, so yeah, I I say with that. It was it was definitely a powerful session. Uh, I've, I've tried to watch as much as possible today while while doing some of the uh, the impact conference elves work in the background. So speak uh, but it, it was very enjoyable equally to see the learning across the three organizations represented you know the Wellcome Trust has a framework actually England has a framework and IHR are developing one as we speak uh, and the overlap of understanding I thought was extremely powerful Sean did you get a chance to join that session or were you busy preparing for your second uh, uh, session of the day the great debate at midday uh, no I, I did get to uh, to join the, the session where uh, the chess ran again Really interesting, interesting to hear the uh, the different organisations how they've sort of been approaching developing the the impact um, framework and uh, yeah, I mean the Health Foundation's like a lot of organisations looking at how we can improve the uh, the way we we go about sort of trying to capture the impact of our own work. So it was really interesting to hear how other organisations have been going through that journey. Um, but yes, I mean the great debate. Uh, at high noon, um, GMT was that? Uh, yeah, another um, another interesting uh, one for me. I remember when we had the conversation back, what well, would have been last year about um, about the policy session, and I suggested a sort of a, a moral maze um, type um, sort of format, and uh, yeah, really pleased with that. And I think um, all all credit to uh, to uh, Jonathan, uh, Ian, and and Jude for. Uh, for joining that session when we came up with the with the title I was a, a little bit apprehensive about whether we would get everyone to uh, to join in particularly on the proposer side but um you know uh fair play that uh, that Ian was 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 more than happy to uh, be involved in that and again the same with uh, with Jude and 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 Jonathan chairing and I think what was really encouraging is that there was a sort of an open friendly honest debate around um around whether we should be continuing to have dedicated impact sections within the funding application. Um, interesting to see the uh, the sort of the very small sample before and after that we did that um, that Jude uh, managed to to um, hold on to uh, hold on to basically the uh, the nose that we shouldn't be removing it, although the gap was um, was significantly sort of uh, reduced, which is an interesting finding. Um, and I think the key things from that. Um, and you can't argue with a lot of sort of uh, Ian's points about, you know, the, the need to reduce the burden in the application process for some people. I mean, there were questions about just moving it from one part of the form to the other. How does that reduce the burden? But um, I think 
as a funder ourselves, we would need to recognise that probably more needs to be done to maybe support um, people at that application stage. Um, but it's also interesting to hear about how it's really important um, to support those that are actually reviewing the applications to really um, support a meaningful assessment and um, and sort of friendly um, challenge to the application so that the people that are putting in the application can actually receive the most useful feedback but we're we're confident that it's um, the best proposal it can be and also the importance of bringing in those wider audiences to that so I know most funders now have um, sort of um, patient service users and people with lived experience on their panels, but how we can actually bring that into a more meaningful way, ensure everyone involved in that process is, um, is sort of fully on board with that was, I think, really useful. And um, yeah, some really insightful conversations came out of that session. I think it's a fascinating point. It's not just the application form, it's who actually reviews the application oh. form. Um, and I, I think that does need to be taken into account. I think we have a, a BBC News, uh, a... <laughs> exactly. One of those moments. One of those moments. Uh, for, for me, Sean, it could be my 18-year-old coming in at any minute. So I, I think yours is cuter. Uh, but but I, I, I just it is an important thing because it's not about the application form, it's the system overall. Um, and it's intriguing that you, you mentioned about uh, support for people who actually look at application forms and actually analyze them. Because um, it's a piece of work that we've, we've just started recently looking at a, a prototype toolkit to help peer reviewers. Um, when it comes to impact assessment itself, whether that peer reviewer is, is uh, one of the great and the good academics or, or a, a patient or service user, uh, which we're doing with um, uh, Julie Bailey from the University of Lincoln and um, uh, Emerald. Uh, there's a bit of work that's uh, started and should be prototype should be ready in a few months' time to actually look at it because that's exactly the point. It's not one bit of the system, it's the entire system holistically, I think you have to look at. Uh, I don't know whether you have any thoughts, Jess, about. Uh, impact sections and application forms? Yeah, I joined the session and I really like how thought-provoking and a little bit controversial it was. Um, I think the, it, it, was, it was great. And I think what I really found useful is when we started to ask questions like, why do we want to know about impact from, from up front? Um, and what is the best way to do that? Um, and, and therefore, you know, the discussion around um, whether you have them in the application form and who uses it for what. Um, so I think they were all valid uh, points. I, I suppose that's something that um, we discuss um, in the networking session that follow from that debate um, was, um, again, maybe the role that um, that kind of information has, not necessarily as assessment for criteria in terms of deciding funding um but but to which extent that type of um commentary can be used by funders to to figure out how we can continue supporting um those researchers after the after the grant for example uh, particularly if you're you are funding um basic research um and there's a possibility to go through translational research um, and then hitting the ground. I think just, just having those discussions up front and again, maybe turning the tables and saying, actually, 
this is something that funders need to be more aware of and use for plugging in gaps and closing those gaps across the research pathway. For me, it's, it's a powerful thought as well at the back of that discussion. Um, hopefully that's making sense. No, no, it does. I, I think I, all, all these threads seem to be coming uh, together over the day's events. Because after uh, the great debate, we had a, a session on cultural change uh, run by a, a pal Adam from Aquas. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. Um, I had to dip in and out uh, occasionally of that, but some of the stuff I heard, um, I think uh, uh, Jordi uh, uh, Malas-Galat uh, was quoting Machiavelli at, at one stage, which is most unusual um, from my point of view uh, for an impact conference, but but it, it was absolutely fascinating about the, the cultural change that one would expect or hope from impact assessment or even having an impact system itself and who it should be for. Um, and, and I found that a very powerful session, um, and obviously, why are we doing it in that sense? Um, I, I, again, I, did either of you guys make that session? I'm, I'm assuming you did, but uh, it's been a long day. I did. I was able to. I don't know if you did, Sean. Do you want to start? Yeah, I caught, I caught some of it, and um, sort of probably towards the end of the session. Um, and I think it was an interesting point uh, that was made about the sort of the cultural value, because that also links to some of the the conversations I was having uh, later on about um, about the sort of the cult the cultural value and measuring sort of cultural impact um, mm. and uh, someone I was talking to was referring to the um, centre in Leeds there looking at sort of how we can measure the broader sort of um, cultural change and cultural impact and and how we look at some of that wider um, sort of dare I say it the sort of the more intangibles that often um, come out of some of the work that that don't neatly fit into um, some of the uh, some of the metrics that often are required and asked for by funders as well as other organisations. Um, and so the importance of thinking about that as well, I think, was a really important point and an interesting one. Yeah, def definitely. Jess? I think the only thing that I will add is, um, again, a challenging thought was um, made that was really calling for a through change across the research um, system and, and really encouraging researchers to go beyond academia and research, um, <laughs> to, to more widely share the work, explain the value of it, um, and again, ensure that it ultimately leads to impact. But also, um, there was quite a lot of talk about, um, again, the, the role that the public has um, in, in, in the engagement, and whether it's you know, really playing a meaningful role, or how can we improve that? Um, so those two things really stay with me from that session as well. Derek Stewart is a fantastic speaker, by the way. I've heard him before. I've always been very uh, moved by his points about public engagement and patient engagement in research, about the fact that there's a danger of becoming business as usual um, and that not enough time is consistently spent about why we do it in the first place, the ethos of engagement. And I think that came through very well um, in that particular session as well. Um, and then we moved to uh, uh, Gert uh, Balling from Nova Nordisk Foundation's session uh, in the fantastically titled uh, Lessons Learned uh, <laughs> session, uh, you know, When Things Go Wrong, which, again, I thought was a very brave uh, uh, way of uh, approaching uh, this particular issue, because no one likes to, to admit they've been wrong. Um, and I, I thought his session did touch on it quite nicely. Um, sadly, I had to I had to dip out of that one more than any of the others. So I'm sort of relying, uh, Jess and Sean, on, on any recollections you may have had of, of Gert's session, if you had time yourself, because as I said, it has been a long day. 
people are gonna think that I did nothing, but I was just watching, <laughs> watching everything. It's right. a it's a conference. You got to go to the webinars. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Again, I I had the pleasure to join the session, um, and I think they did a really good job at kind of articulating very similar messages. Um, and I think one of them was just that is so difficult to to design and implement impact frameworks um, and really requires a level of you know change management across the whole organization but also externally including your partners the, the, you know the, the pool of our holders um, and the wider research community so so that was very strong um, and again just just all the things that I think they all mentioned were particularly around avoiding a, a top-down approach only um, and really ensuring that you take time and have patience um, and take people on a journey which means that you know you need to do a lot of raising awareness and explaining what this is about and not um, particularly because most people will tend to fear this type of um, impact frameworks and, and work there's a fear of being evaluated and, and, and what that might mean for your career for the programs um, so really engaging communicating and building trustworthy relationships um, was key um, in terms of um, all the panelists' um, words of wisdom. Um, and particularly when it comes to a stakeholder engagement, the importance of being transparent, again, particularly mm. with external audiences. Um, but yeah, over to you, Sean, if you have any other thoughts. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I was on networking <laughs> duty during uh, during session. You were. You were doing the tea networking session. But there is a connection, actually, Sean, between uh, Jess's observations and the Health Foundation. The, the, the over-reliance on top-down, uh, mm -hmm. which Jess mentioned. Uh, the Health Foundation, about three or four years ago, published a really nice paper about why innovations don't get adopted back into the National Health Service in England. Uh, and one of which was the reliance, the over-reliance of the, the top-down push and old-fashioned dissemination. Um, so I, I think Jess's observations are, are, are a, a very uh, opposite considering the, the work the Health Foundation has done this particular a, a while back. Uh, I think we then moved on to the final webinar, which is still, or may have only just finished, um, with uh, Catherine Graham. Um, which uh, I had to nip out of so that we could do this podcast, uh, partly because uh, if the, if we had to wait until that finished, having been up since 2.30 in the morning, I think uh, this particular podcast host would be falling into his keyboard right now. Um, but I left as David Sweeney was giving an extremely interesting uh, historical review uh, of uh, impact in the sense of uh, where he started in the 90s and almost this passing the ball back from one to another between Australia and the UK on, on impact assessment. But equally ironically, going back to D'Amico's uh, first session at um, 3 a.m. Uh, uh, GMT, uh, where uh, there's this passing the baby comment came up that impact is all about passing the baby from one stage to another, uh, which is a, a comment that Catherine Graham uh, used to use. And ironically, she is doing the final session as we speak. Uh, so the baby has been passed all the way through today to, to Catherine. Um, and again, I don't know whether you caught any of the first half hour before joining me on this podcast. So I managed to catch a, just a, a little bit of it, but it, I mean, that reflection's really uh, um, uh, saying it as well, Mark, because it was one of the things that I opened a session with first thing this morning is that, hey, this is a, a conversation that's been going on for for years, indeed decades, about sort of um, how we make better use of, of um, research knowledge and evidence to support policy. Um, 
And I think just picking up your point there about the, the sort of the previous work that the Health Foundation has done about being able to take what we know works in one area and um, and support the sort of the transfer of knowledge and evidence to to another area is really important. And um, as everyone knows, sort of context often uh, often trumps uh, everything. And so being able to to look more deeply about how you can share um, impact, knowledge, and, and evidence so that you can continue that 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 sort of that building of of impact and change from maybe that sort of more micro or meso level up to that more sort of macro policy level, I think is a, a really important thing and a conversation that is, you know, importantly will will continue for probably some time to go. Thank you for that. Guys, it's been a, a, a long day. A lot's been discussed in different webinars and networking sessions, but what about your overall impressions of, of lessons learned? Jessica, can I ask you, first of all, you, your thoughts on this? Oh God, um, <laughs> I think we've we've um, we've done a good job at summarizing in some of the main things that have percolated throughout the session. Um, I guess things that we haven't yet covered that might be pertinent to flag now is that um, there's a still not a lot of consensus on what research impact is and what we mean by outcomes. It kept, it kept coming back and back um, throughout um, the day. Um, but actually, once you start listening to what people uh, suggest as answers to this question, there's there's a lot of similarities. And basically, it's it's something that we're now describing as going beyond the academic and research sector is having policy, and health practice change. And it's ultimately about improving um, health and people's lives. Um, so I think we do have a working uh, kind of definition for, for research impact. Um, and and there's, I suspect there's probably a lot more convergence um, than we perhaps feel um, at any given point. Um, and I'd just like to say something else that is, is more about um, kind of looking forwards, I suppose, and into the future uh, post-COVID. Um, I feel that all of this conference, but particularly the context in which we're living at the moment, has really demonstrated that we can shorten time to impact. As long as we have very clear outcome-oriented discussions in mind, and that's how we start working together, linking and mobilizing the diverse stakeholders across the systems that we need to make health impact, particularly moving from the academic and research sector. For example, we've seen a lot of data sharing partnerships um, that weren't there before um, and, and, and have been crucial to advance uh, research, uh, but also securing private sector partnerships, again, to kind of make sure that, that, that there's not a gap or a stop in the pipeline from research to production, um, but also early engagement with policy stakeholders and sustaining that relationship to encourage as much as we can the evidence-based driven decision making. And last but not least, I feel that there's been a real effort to translate science and research to lay audiences, uh, proactively addressing misinformation and finding ways to motivate behavioral change and vaccine uptake. So I think all of these are very crucial ingredients um, that I hope we continue to, to kind of use for other areas um, in the research and health systems. Um, and, and that we can continue creating transformative large scale change at reduce um, timelines. Excellent, excellent summary there, Jess. Uh, sure, anything you, you want to add from your perspective, lessons learned over the past couple of days? Yeah, I mean, I would echo everything that, that, that Jess has said there. Um, 
I think sort of things additionally to add into that is, and maybe perhaps preaching to the converted, is just that the importance of uh, of giving it the, the space um, and the resource and, and sort of really recognising that the impact agenda isn't a, a nice to have, it's a specialist area, it requires um, some, some skill and some support and that needs to be sort of built in and factored into the work rather than just sort of on top of um, the day job that other people are doing or the research projects that they're managing. Um, and I think probably the other uh, thing to add to that, that reflections over the last couple of days is just the sort of the transdisciplinary learning that can that can be had. So um, the learning that the sort of uh, health and care research can offer to other sectors, but also the, the learning that, that other sectors, education, for example, could, could sort of offer to um, the health and care as a as a sector and the, and the impact agenda there. They would be sort of the other things that I would add on, on top of that. Yeah, I think that's true. The, the, the networking sessions that have been held today, which which worked incredibly well. I, I wasn't quite sure whether just an open Zoom call would work, uh, but those small groups, the discussions that occurred, and the fact that you know I met people who have nothing to do with health and social care, but they are interested in impact, and the fact that there were things to learn across the piece, I think, is very powerful. Um, and something about the health and social care impact hinterland, we need to make sure we are not inward looking. Because it's a big area, but we could still do double speak if we're not careful. I thought the networking sessions were very powerful to remind us that there are there's more than just us. Um, I, I think that was that was uh, very very uh, powerful to hear. And personally, I, I liked the mixed economy, the structure of what we've done over the past couple of days, the live webinars, the informal networking, uh, the, the 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 videos you guys pre-recorded, which did work had an effect people enjoyed them people were commenting about them and and the podcasts themselves um you know i think that that meant that there was something for everyone as cliche as that sounds uh but i do think it's been an extremely uh interesting couple of days and i look forward to finishing off a legacy website so all the webinars uh and all the stuff we've learned can be available for people for a, a few more months at least uh to to download I don't know whether there are any final comments. Um, we've, we've been talking for half an hour, um, and it seems like this might be a good time to uh, wrap up the podcast. Uh, uh, Jess, you, you first. Any, any final thoughts or comments before we turn in for a, a decent weekend, one hopes? Well, I'd like to finish by giving you a huge thanks, Mark, um, to you and your team, uh, particularly Arvashi Sharma and Alice Wong. Um, you guys have done an amazing job at helping us plan, implement and troubleshoot throughout the conference. Um, and honestly, we couldn't have done it without you. So a huge thanks and appreciation for, on behalf of the whole organizing committee. Um, that's, that's really what I wanted to say. <laughs> that's that's incre incredibly kind. I can say no I, all, all I can say <laughs> all I could no, all I can say actually is that the organizing committee were a fantastic bunch of people to work with. So obviously you just you, Sean and uh, Tamika and Paula and Catherine and, and uh, Gert. Uh, you know, it, it's been a, a pleasure. Once we nailed down the format uh, and we began to therefore talk uh, you know about what we were going to put into it, it it's been it's been a blast. Uh, and it's been a, a complete pleasure. I think as everyone knows, I'm stepping down as head of impact for NHR to, to move on to a different position within the organization. Uh, and, and this is definitely my, my last lap. And it, it's down to you guys. It's been a fabulous last lap. So um, uh, before the Mutual Appreciation Society goes over the top, uh, <laughs> Jess and Sean, thank you very much for joining uh, me for this final uh, conference roundout. 
Um, I hope everyone who's listened to this uh, has enjoyed this podcast and also everything else that this wonderful organizing committee has put together over the past two days. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and all the other content produced and provided by NIHR, the Wellcome Trust, the Health Foundation, AQUAS, Nova Nordis Foundation, and the Research Impact Academy. Keep checking the website, impactframeworks.info, and the hashtag Impact Frameworks on Twitter for all news and updates. <laughs>